Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And I'm your host, Mia Savanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 12, The Wendigo. It originally aired on February 3rd, 1999, and had 5.81 million viewers. So we're on the side of the road, and this little scene we're going to go through cuts between the roadside and Quake. Piper is on the roadside. She has a flat tire, and she's calling Phoebe on the phone. Phoebe and Prue are sitting at the bar at Quake, waiting for their table. Phoebe is talking to Piper and says that she used to date a mechanic and she'll walk Piper through how to change the tire. So Phoebe's explaining to her what to do. Piper's like, I don't have a handle, but I have a wooden spoon. Phoebe's telling her that it won't work. Piper tries it anyway. The spoon breaks in half. Phoebe's kind of like, come on, just stay there. Like me and Prue will come get you. This isn't safe. Piper's like, no, no, no. Like I'll figure it out. Doesn't want to trouble them clearly. Phoebe goes, you're stranded alone. The only thing you have to protect you is a wooden spoon that's broken. Piper reminds her that she has the power to freeze. She says it's better than Mace, but she needs to get off the phone before it dies. She's going to call the auto club and she'll meet them there after someone comes and changes the tire for her and she hangs up. We then are in Quake with Prue and Phoebe. Phoebe is still clearly worried about Prue. I mean about Piper. Prue says that they'll give her 15 minutes and then they'll call back to check on her. They start heading over to their table and they're continuing a conversation that they had obviously started before Piper called. Prue says, well, I think it's a good idea and I think it's a bad idea. We find out that the idea is for Phoebe to start working at the auction house with Prue. Prue says, not only are we family, we live together and I don't think my wardrobe can take the assault of your daily needs. So we're getting reminded again that Phoebe is always borrowing Prue's clothes. Phoebe starts kind of saying how she's good with computers, she's good with people, and you know that if she's getting a paycheck, she can buy new clothes, so Prue would actually be expanding her wardrobe if she and Phoebe work together, plus she'd be eternally grateful to Prue. She's eventually convinced, and Prue's like, can you start tomorrow? And then, of course, Phoebe's like, oh, well, I need a ride, and Prue's kind of, there's this look on her face that she might be starting to regret the decision she just made. (laughs) Some are back on the roadside. Piper's on the phone with the auto club on hold. As she's waiting, her phone dies. She's kind of a little freaked out now, and she's like, no problem, for I bear the power of one. A little joke. And then she starts walking across the street to this park because there's just a phone booth in the middle of the park. I don't know if that's normal. I've never seen that. Like, even when there were phone booths around when I was a kid, like, I never saw one in a park, but it's just me. Um, so she runs over. Uh, I thought that walking. same thing too. Yeah. yeah. So she's like walking over and she hears like this branch snap behind, beside somewhere behind her. So she starts speeding up a little bit. Then she hears another sound um, and she starts looking around and she sees this creature in the bushes. She runs to the phone booth and goes inside and closes it. She's picking up the phone and just as she's doing that, the creature comes over and starts attacking the booth, knocks it over with her inside. 
she's trying to freeze it as it's breaking in and obviously because her power only works in the room she's in it doesn't work the creature punches through the top of the phone booth and scratches her arm and we'll just say the blood effect there is very fake looking like it literally just looks like they drew three red lines on her it doesn't look (laughs) like they even tried to make it look like she was injured but just as all this is going on this man in a trench coat appears out of nowhere and he shoots this flare gun at a tree right behind the creature and it runs away then he goes over to piper and tells her that everything's going to be okay and that's the end of our opening scenes yeah so pretty much what I was thinking when I first saw this is, like, if I was Piper, I would not be doing that by myself. Like, I'd be, as soon as the wooden spoon broke, I'd be like, okay, that's a sign from God that I'm about to die. Let me hide in the car, lock the doors, <laughs> and wait for my sisters to show up. So Yeah, and I feel like her saying, like, oh, let me go before my phone dies, like, I feel like that's pretty good foreshadowing on what's about to happen, like... I don't know. I mean, I'm personally scared of the dark. And so being outside, like even at my job, there's this one job we have to do where it's taking out the linen bag and you bring it outside. And I, I literally refuse to do it because I don't want to walk outside at night alone. Like that's scary to me. So I don't know how she's, you know, just standing on the side of the road and like, I don't even know I would just be like I would instantly be like guys come pick me up and help me like I couldn't do all that you know I guess at the same time I can kind of relate because in the moment like I'll be scared but I'll also be like ah let me just handle it myself because I've definitely been in several situations where I have where I'm just like outside by myself at night and I'm like ah whatever (laughs) I just force myself to like not think about it and not be afraid I don't know yeah, I'm just too paranoid for it. Like, I will inconvenience you to <laughs> come help me. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't know what I was doing, I would have, because I, I wouldn't. I probably would immediately be like, somebody help, like, because I don't know what to do. Otherwise, I'd just be stuck there all night. But if I had some idea of what to do. See, the thing is, I know what you have to do to change a tire, right? but I'm not physically capable of doing that. Oh, I also yeah. don't keep yeah. a jack in my car because I don't. So like I could call someone to do it, but like I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, I feel like for the most part, these scenes are kind of setting up the plot lines in the episode. We're obviously setting up the Phoebe and Prue as coworkers storyline. We're setting up Piper and the creature and the man in the trench coat and everything that's going to happen there. So yeah, this is all just setting up. Yeah. Okay, so after this little intro, we have the theme song plays, and then we are at the hospital, and Prue and Piper are entering the hospital holding hands. (laughs) For some reason. Um, and they. I feel like like we just come from such not an affectionate family that every time we see these like family members like (laughs) touching and stuff, we're just like um why I mean I feel like our family well not like your guys' side but at least on mine and Caitlin's mom's side like our family is pretty affectionate and pretty touchy but like even this stuff is just like a little weird like (laughs) 
I don't get it. Fair enough. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe family members hold hands. I don't hold hands with my <laughs> family members really, <laughs> unless we're like walking through a crowd or something and I'm trying yeah. to not lose them. But like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe people do that. <laughs> Just walk into the hospital holding hands. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Anyways, so they walk in and they ask for Piper at the desk and they see Andy there and you know Prue's like thanking him for yeah, calling, for calling them. them and then and he's then... like of course like she's basically like my sister too all right Andy <laughs> whatever <laughs> fuck you Andy you're not forgiven yet um so now they're in Piper's room at the hospital and the doctor's changing her bandages and she's like freaked out by the blood and starts like talking about like oh my god if she passes out if she needs a transfusion and then talks about how her blood type is AB negative and it's very rare and Andy says that he's like, it's okay, you know, I'm, I'm AB negative too. And uh, so he would donate to her, obviously, unless he was just saying that to flex. I don't know. <laughs> I may be negative, but you can get none of this. And then doctor's like, she'll be fine. And Piper's kind of got a little attitude about it. And Prue takes the papers from him to sign so that they can all leave and they all start leaving the room. Piper and Phoebe are walking together and she's like, Piper, why didn't you freeze it? And she was like, well, I was trapped in the phone booth. My powers don't work outside of the room I'm in. Remember, like to Phoebe. And then in the hall, she sees Billy, who's the guy, you know, who saved her. And she tells Phoebe that he saved her life. And Andy's like, yeah, I'd yeah, like I'd to like talk to, talk to you, you about that, as well as the flare gun you just happened to show up with. And then Billy lights to, starts to light a cigarette like it's 1965 in the middle of this hospital right now. Um, and Prue runs over and <laughs> blows it out. And it's like, well, I don't think you can smoke in here. And he's like, oh, right. And Billy's saying to all of them that it's not really a coincidence that he was there. He'd heard about the murder last night. And then he, like, called the killer a creature and Andy's like what do you mean creature and Piper's like yeah no it was a creature and then this woman walks in all confident and she's like describe it and he notices Billy and she's like Billy what are you doing here and he's like same thing that you are hunting that thing and then Andy introduces her as special agent Fallon and Fallon again asks Piper to describe it and Piper kind of describes it like you know big scary strong like a cross between a werewolf and charles manson and then she's like oh uh agent palin's like it had yellow eyes and a talon piper's like yes and then she pulls andy aside and uh she's like miss hallowell's the first one to survive an attack and i guess there were similar murders in chicago and new orleans and andy requested the autopsy reports but she's kind of like well why this case isn't in your jurisdiction and then tells him, like, you know, he wouldn't want it because the perp is neither human nor animal. And then they kind of start talking a little about, like, because Andy wasn't very surprised when she said that it wasn't human. And he's like, well, recent experiences have taught me to keep an open mind. And then it goes over to Prue and Phoebe. And Phoebe kind of makes a little crack about how she's, like, cozy, aren't they? Talking about Agent Fallon and Andy talking close to each other but Prue ignores it and she turns over to Piper and Billy Billy starts telling them that he knows how to use the or like he knows that a flare gun would have worked because the creature's afraid of fire um, and tells them the story of how him and his fiance were attacked while camping and a log that was on fire that he tried 
to use against it, scared it away, but not before it ripped out his fiance Laura's heart. And then he tells them, you know, like ever since then I've been determined to kill it. So first I want to go back to, you know, when Piper's kind of like, oh, my blood type, my blood type. And I get it for the sake of the plot line, because as we know, the AB negative thing is going to come up a lot. But like, is it normal to know your blood type? Like, do you guys know what your blood type is? No clue. I forget it. Like, I will always, I've always asked my mom, because like, she knows from like, obviously, like when we were born and stuff, the papers. But even she forgets sometimes too. Like I no, she will has no forget. idea. She has no idea what my blood type is. Yeah. Zero clue. Yeah, because like, like I'm, I don't know that. Yeah, it's a good thing to know though. We should know. I'm sure I kind of like want to know, but I'm like, how do you even find out? Like, should I just be like to my doctor and next time I'm there, I'm like, oh, like, can you tell me what my blood type is? Like, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess you definitely can. They definitely have it. If next doctor's appointment, just be like, yeah, like it should say it on the records. Yeah, that's true. I guess. But I feel like I see, like, my blood work reports, and they don't say the blood type on it. Like, I feel like I'd have to specifically ask them to, like, look and tell me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is weird. I don't know. I feel like the story of, like, him and his fiance, I, you know, it, like, kind of gives him a good motivation, so I get where it's coming from. But the whole cigarette thing, I know why they do it, because they want to introduce the idea of him smoking early, but, like, who? Ooh, even in 1999 who thinks you could smoke in a hospital yeah literally like, like, who's who's that stupid like, oh I guess I guess I get I feel like a lot of this they did introduce so that like later on when you continue on in the episode you can go back and be like oh like they kind of hinted at it from the beginning like the whole I mean I guess we haven't found out yet but like the whole cigarette thing is becomes something in the future important, but like they could have easily set this scene outside they did not be, yeah. be inside the hospital with a cigarette like that was just the most like they specifically thing. wanted to draw attention to the fact that it was a cigarette that's why they had him like I guess. or had Prue like blow it out or something but still like nobody's that stupid I hope oh uh, what was I gonna say too oh yeah the whole AB negative thing like finding out that both Piper and Andy are AB negative like the way they slide that in there is pretty smart yeah, I, I feel like that was, like, an interesting... Yeah. Little... Other than that, I don't really know what else to say about that. Mostly just, just setting up... kind of something I was talking about in last episode, which is just, you know, Andy is getting more and more open to the supernatural as we go through these episodes. That's yeah, he, yeah. like, wasn't phased at all. And like, we'll Fallon was, still... like, shocked. Yeah. We'll see him still questioning it as the episode goes on when he kind of brings up, you know, it's probably a serial killer type of thing. But he's more open-minded. Um, but he's a little more open-minded now. Because, you know, when we met him in episode one, he was like, there are people who believe they're witches. But now I think he's starting to recognize more and more of these freaky things happening. I'll also notice second episode in a row, where's Daryl? Yeah. yeah. Daryl's just gone. Missing? On vacation. Gregory, Gregory had another job? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean. After this, we go to the manor. Prue and Piper in the kitchen. Piper is in the Book of Shadows. It's in the morning. Piper's looking up the creature in the book. And Prue wants her to let, you know, Andy and Agent Fallon handle it. Piper says, you know, I was meant to be involved in this. I know this. Like, that flat tire I got wasn't a coincidence. I was supposed to meet Billy and help him. Breakfast is starting to boil over on the stove. Prue uses her power to turn it off. That's when Phoebe enters and clears her throat. She's all dressed up for her first day of work. You can tell she's, like, excited. 
Piper comments on her outfit. So does Prue. Phoebe's like, yeah, well, I have to impress my new boss. You know, a little joke. She grabs her coffee. Phoebe asks Piper how her arm is doing. She says it itches. Prue says she should go to the doctor. It might be infected. And Phoebe's like, while we're at work, don't think about going after that thing alone. And Prue's kind of like, well, there's no reason for you to go after it at all. Like, let, again, she's saying, let Andy and Agent Fallon handle it. Piper's the innocent who needs to be protected here. And Piper said, um, she kind of goes into this thing. She says, I thought I was going to die last night. I was totally helpless. And all I could think about was that I was never going to see you guys again. Then suddenly out of nowhere comes Billy. He saved me, protected me. That thing took away the person he loved and he's out there all alone trying to kill it. I can't just do nothing. She promises she won't do anything unless the three of them kind of reluctantly. Prue leaves the room. Phoebe now is freaking out to Piper because she's worried that she's going to screw up at work and embarrass herself or embarrass Prue. Piper tries to calm her down. She's like, stop. You're one of the smartest people I know. I'm sure you'll do great. Phoebe also kind of brings up this thing where she's like, there's a reason my resume is only three lines long, but it's like, didn't last episode we learned that you had like a bunch of different jobs in New York? Yeah. Like you were a hostess at a major restaurant, like, which obviously takes a lot. I was do. thinking like, that too. It didn't, it just felt like a lack of continuity to me, but you know, Phoebe leaves and Piper goes back to the book and she finds the Wendigo there and starts reading about it. Okay, so um, I think it's like really courageous of Piper to like want to go and help Billy and try and figure this out for him because you can see that he like clearly is hurting by him lighting a cigarette in a hospital, not even <laughs> thinking like clearly zero he's not regard. In his right, yeah, he's not in his right mind, but he did save her, so I think it's very like. I think it's very generous of her to like want to find out what happened. And I think she, she also wants to find out personally, considering it attacked her too. I think that even though Piper, like Piper comes across as like the fearful one and the more like nervous, let's not get involved person. They all kind of tend to naturally have that instinct to protect other people, which is like, obviously for the show's sake, but it's like, no matter you know no matter how Piper portrays herself she can't really turn that down and she can't really like she's a lot braver than she thinks and I think she just doesn't see that you know even though she's proven it so many times and I was also thinking Prue not wanting her to get involved and in the like not wanting her to go after it and you know in the last episode Prue not wanting them to save Clay it's like it's like Prue's usually the one to jump at these things, I feel like. Like, immediately be like, oh, we need to save the innocent. Like, this comes first. This is important. And, like, doesn't... But when it's... But it only seems to be that way when it's, you know, her innocent kind of thing, as opposed to, yeah. like, her sisters. When it's her sisters, it's like she'd rather them not be a part of it. Yeah, Maybe it's yeah I think what it involves her sisters. Yeah. Too. That's yeah. probably she's like, well, I can go after this, but like, I don't feel like she trusts Piper and Phoebe enough all the time in dangerous situations by themselves. Like she's like, mm -hmm. I'll go after a demon alone, but they can't do that. Like, I feel like right. that's kind of the attitude she has. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard for her to be able to let them, especially since she like helped raise them, you know? Yeah. So she's just, it's definitely the protective in instinct. 
Yeah. Okay, so now we go to Buckland's, and Prue and Phoebe are in the storage room looking at different items for the auction and kind of, like, appraising stuff. And I guess it's all stuff that was seized by the state. Like, whatever doesn't sell gets tossed. And they look at lot 103, and they pick up this gold bracelet. And Phoebe's like, oh, well, if no one wants this, I'll take it, because it's really pretty, I guess. And then Prue kind of, you know, tells her to note that it's inscribed on, or it has an inscription that says TL on it. And then, you know, they're working together and things are doing, things are going well pretty smoothly. Then Phoebe picks up the bracelet and has a premonition of a car going into the water and the bracelet being thrown out of it and landing on the ground. Phoebe tells Prue about her premonition and then she's like, oh no, like I bet I'm supposed to figure out who this belongs to. And Prue's like, no, like, you can't do this right now. And then Claire walks in to make sure that everything's in order for the auction uh, that's happening today and is, sees the bracelet and is like, oh, this is pretty. This should sell quickly. And then Phoebe turns to Prue and is like, what should we do? Like, the auction is today. And that's how that scene ends. So I just like to comment, like, everyone's like, oh, this bracelet is so beautiful. It's so quickly. It's the most basic bracelet I've ever seen. I know. Yeah, it's, literally it's just really basic. A little chain with the heart on it. Like, it doesn't, and it has an inscription, like, that already says TL. Like, who, yeah. how many people in the world are going to relate to those you two gotta, letters? You gotta, it's one of those things where you have to play it off and you're like, it stands for true love. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never thought about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, other than that, that I don't sense. really have too much to say, except that it's kind of introducing the second storyline going yeah. on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's just setting up yeah. that B-plot, B really. Mm-hmm. So after this, we move to Quake. Piper's sitting at a table, and Billy's kind of pacing beside her. Um, she's telling him what she learned about the Wendigo. She says, apparently, it looks like a normal person by day, but transforms at night. It survives by feeding on human hearts. She then goes deeper into the story. She says the first Wendigo was a mortal who betrayed by his lover, cut out her heart and ate it. As soon as he did, his own heart turned to ice. He asks if it goes after people who are in love and takes love away from them. She kind of rejects this. She says she's not in love and it must be attracted to something else. And then he's like, like maybe beauty? Gag me. And it's really <laughs> awkward because, like, Piper clearly is not into this. And then he's like, sorry, it's just you remind me of my fiancé. I know. That was weird. Then she kind of, like, ignores that. And she's like, it strikes during the three days of the full moon, like, getting right back to business. And Billy says it's amazing she found all this information so quickly because he's, you know, been after it for months. And in one night, she gets a PhD in Wendigo. um she's kind of like yeah you know like I I read about it (laughs) and you know she's like I should call Andy and he's like no no call agent Fallon instead like she's already a believer I can talk to her and he's she's like okay and then Piper starts to stand up and she gets kind of dizzy but says she's fine and she tells him to call her after he talks to Fallon she says that you know she can help and she can't tell him how but she can and then he like weirdly like touches her chin and leaves so a couple things i want to say here for one so the wendigo the creature in this episode is based on the native american legend of the wendigo a lot of what they're putting in this episode is very different than what i've read about the legend um you guys don't know this but in one of the classes i teach 
we actually did an urban legends unit. I had two students who presented on the Wendigo. So I learned a lot about the creature from their presentations and just things I know about things I've read and seen in other media. I will say that most of what they're presenting here, I think is just what they did to make plot state work. There is a cannibalistic element to the creature. It has nothing to do with the full moon. I feel like they're kind of mixing like Wendigo lore and werewolf lore here just to kind of do what they want to do. The AB negative and all the other stuff that comes up has nothing to do with the legend. But yeah. So what is the legend? Um, I'm trying I'm not remembering it exactly. I probably should have taken some notes on it before this, but there are also different versions of it, right? But um the one I'm most familiar with basically that um this person kind of like starving turned to cannibalism changes into this creature the creature stalks people um in the woods at night it can change forms it appears in different ways if you let it in it will eat you and that's kind of most of what i'm most familiar with about it i feel like what the show does here is they kind of appropriate this legend and kind of do what they want with it i don't Mm-hmm. know that that's okay um especially when you're taking it from another culture like it would be one thing to take a legend from you know something more closely related to the show so if it was just a general american legend right as opposed to like a native american legend if it was like a european legend something like that it just feels kind of weird that these mostly white creators are taking these legends from another culture and rather than actually following you know, what the legend is, putting their own things into it that they want to do. I don't know yeah, yeah. how appropriate they, that is. Yeah. I feel like in today's world, people would definitely probably be pretty mad about that, you know, especially since we're all about, you know, culture appropriation. Like, we're all about not having culture appropriation now. Yeah. And it's like one thing, right, if they had, you know, taken the legend and used it, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is kind of playing their own things into it for their story when it's not your legend. Yeah, Um, kind of butchering it. Like, because there's nothing wrong with representing other cultures. And that's also something I'll get into. I mean, we don't know who the Wendigo is yet. But when we find out, like, couldn't they have cast a Native American actor in that role to kind of, you know, pay respect to that culture in some way? Couldn't they have mentioned in any way that it was a Native American legend in the Book of Shadows, right? That this kind of comes from this Native American history. Yeah. Um, Because even in, you know, Dead Man Dating, when they kind of played with that Chinese legend, they very much bring Chinese culture into the episode. Do they do it in the most appropriate way? I'm not the person to answer that question, but at least they acknowledged where it was coming from. Whereas in this episode, they don't do that at all. Yeah, you're right. This scene kind of hops between, you know, Quake and the police station. So the phone rings at Quake. Piper picks up. It's Andy calling, and she's kind of calling to check in on her. And she's like, oh, I'm fine, just a little tired. And then she goes and tells him that Billy's on his way to go see Agent Fallon, who is sitting behind Andy in the station, and that, you know, says to, can you let her know? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then they hang up and it's just at the station now. And the agent Fallon is like, oh, you seem pretty familiar with the witness. 
and then he's like piper yeah i dated her sister and she's agent fallon is kind of like questioning him whether it's past tense and then she's like oh i wouldn't want a lovesick cough on her on my hands um if that's what the creature's after and then she says that she thinks that's why it rips the heart out and andy's like well another reason could you know another reason all these people relate is that they're all ab negative blood types and it attacks the day before the day after and the day of a full moon and she says well if that's true then the creature will attack again tonight andy's still kind of a little iffy over the fact of you know whether it's a creature or not and then um he thinks that it might be like a ritual like a human a human thing and then she looks angry but she suggests that they have a stakeout tonight and she says it in like this weirdly flirty way and she's very like she always talks very close to Andy and like flirty and kind of in slow motion if that makes sense like she's constantly trying to sound like sexy or something um and it's like super weird and gross and like it's not cute at all I don't think like it just yeah, sounds the like the entire episode I'm just sitting there I'm like is she trying to fuck Andy or not because I, I know yeah. like what the hell are you doing um like, and then obviously Andy lets lets her know that uh Billy's gonna come see her so she's like okay well I better go yeah here it's just a lot of like I think it's sweet that Andy cares you know about Piper being okay like just calling to check in on her because you know even with things not going so well between him and Prue it is still like they grew up together too obviously if Prue and Andy grew up together then he's known Piper his whole life and like it's it's nice that he does care about her family as well as her yeah and I'll say you know as we're moving through these episodes I haven't forgiven him yet but I am getting closer like my anger for Andy is beginning to fade Fade. yeah turn into Um, forgiveness completely gone I don't completely forgive yet but we're we're on the road to redemption I think (laughs) I think I could have forgiven him it's a little easier to forgive sooner if maybe they had talked about it and like resolved that situation but they kind of just had him be this horrible fuck up for that one episode and then like just back to normal like zero apology there's no apology right had he come out and as opposed to being like despite everything that happened, I still care about you. Like, if he had been like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I would be much closer to forgiving him than agreeing. Like, let's forget it happened. LOL. Yeah. Yeah. And they just kind of move on. So then we're outside of the federal building and Fallon sees Billy walking and she kind of approaches him. She's like, oh, like, are you looking for me? They start talking and he starts saying how he thinks he knows what the creature is. Um, she's kind of like oh like the other agents already think I'm weird like I'll walk you to your car like we'll talk about it on the way so they're in the parking garage and he tells her that you know Piper was doing research he found out that it can take on human form and it seems to go after people with good hearts or who are in love they're not really sure and that he knows it's going to attack again tonight because of the full moon he pulls out a cigarette and they're still talking and he goes to light it and she kind of like freaks out and ducks away from it and that's when it like dawns on him he's like holy shit this bitch is the one to go and of course she realizes that he knows snaps his fucking neck he falls to the ground he's dead the lighter's on the ground it's still like lit she walks away and that's the end of that scene okay so i was thinking in this scene as soon as we find out it's the wendigo like 
shocker. Like, of course, it's Agent Fallon. We were we were dumb to think that they would include another cop in this episode in this show besides Andy. True. Like that wasn't yeah. gonna last very long. <laughs> Because it's like, wait, did they replace Daryl? No, no, no. She's the demon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Andy and Daryl are the only cops that are allowed to be in this show. That's I it. I do wonder for first-time viewers, though, like, was it a shock? Were they expecting that she was involved, or did they genuinely think she was there to help? Um, I'm curious to find out that. I'm also... I like the pacing of this scene, I'll say that. I think the way it moves is really, like, clever and quick. And I also like the shooting style of this scene. I think it's really well shot. I think it's really well put together. Her expressions are a lot, though. Um, like this actress, a lot of the things yes. she's doing confuse me. And a lot of it has to do with the way she does so much facial acting. It's it's a little weird to me. It's off-putting. Yeah. I don't like, know when I, like she, when I don't know if she's went, doing it on purpose or not. That's the thing, too. Like, I can't tell what she's trying to portray with all these different faces she's making yeah yeah I think it's really weird and like when she went and like broke the guy's neck she was like overly like she like like, looked like she was growling you know (laughs) like (laughs) it was I was it was kind of weird but yeah maybe that's just her acting style like yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, her interpretation of this creature character, maybe because, you know, she's been the Wendigo so long, it's bleeding into who she is when she's in human form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but a lot of it felt a little overplayed to me personally. Yeah. yeah. I felt that. I was also, because you said something before that made me think, God, right when I went to say it, oh, about first time viewers, because... I obviously we've already seen the show before so we knew that it was going to be Agent Fallon but I think like even first time viewing it just the way she portrays herself from the beginning and like kind of sneaks in she comes out of nowhere she's introduced and she's like this like intense like creepy kind of flirty like mysterious person I think that I feel like people probably had their ideas about it like Mm -hmm. I'm sure the first time I watched it I probably assumed it was her yeah, yeah, like, the first time I watched it, I, because, like, I'll I'll try and predict shows and stuff, so the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, they're, e- they're either, like, portraying her so that it looks like she's the one who's the win- Wendigo, however you say it, sorry, I don't pronounce and it And then right. they're gonna, like, come with a plot twist? Yeah, and then they might come with a plot twist, like, some shows do that, or she's just going to be, because I feel like I'm pretty good at predicting what happens in um, shows like this, just because a lot of them end up the same, you know, Mm -hmm. so I was thinking either they're going to make it seem like she is it, and they're going to just change it up real quick, and, like, maybe make it Billy or something, or she is going to be it, like, I don't think it came much of a shock to me, Mm because, like Mia also said, of course, there cannot be another cop in the show other than Andy. (laughs) Exactly. Andy and Daryl, that's all that's allowed. There's enough cops in San Francisco, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we are at Buckland's and Prue is exiting the elevator and Phoebe comes in after her and Phoebe's like I found out who the car that went off the cliff belonged to and that it was a PI named Franklin Bates and the accident was in February of 1989 and then she was like unfortunately it took me a while to access it so she forgot to tell Piper Prue that 
Claire was looking for her. And Prue's like, great, thanks a lot. And then Phoebe says that she called the PI firm and lied, saying she was Andy's partner. And found out that the initials were on the on the bracelet are for Terry Lane. And she was, who was a five-year-old girl who was kidnapped by her father. And that was the case the detective, the PI, was looking on. And that the bracelet could have been proof that he did find the little girl. But the mother never got it or was able to find her because the PI died in that car accident. So Phoebe says that they can't sell the bracelet. And Prue asks how they're going to explain this to Claire. And then that's when Claire enters. And she grabs the bracelet and she's basically saying, you know, like, oh, where has this been? I've got multiple people interested. And then she leaves with the bracelet. And then Phoebe's like, Prue, we can't let her sell that bracelet, you know? I feel like this is also more of the plot. We get to find out, you know, where this bracelet came from. I have more to say about, like, the Terry Lane, like, subplot. Yeah. But not at this scene. Um, I'll talk about it later. I feel like a lot of this is just, you know, us finding out information about what happened. and where Which I also there. kind of feel like... It's like a little weird that Phoebe was able to find all this information pretty quickly, but you know, like, did her mom, did Terry's mom not do this research? You know? Yeah, it's like you couldn't find your daughter, but like Phoebe could find her in a day, but you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I guess you couldn't find her in 10 years, but it takes Phoebe one day. Yeah. Yeah. And if the private investigator died, why didn't you hire, why didn't you hire another one? Like, you weren't, like, as soon as he didn't contact I'm like, maybe the mom doesn't want her child. Yeah, like, as soon as you weren't, like, contacted by the PI again, I would have been suspicious and, like, looked into that. But, you know, I guess, yeah. I guess that's just, I'm just a thinker. I also, Some people aren't. Yeah, I have a lot more to say when we get to the later scene, but the subplot. When we get to I, it. Yeah. Gotta it's wait. It's unhinged. There's a lot of unhinged things in this episode, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, our next scene, we are at Quake. Piper's working. She's like very sweaty, like gross. This health inspector arrives and is like, oh, I'm here to do my inspection. And she starts showing him around. She's like, we have nothing to hide. Look around. He asks her if she's sick. She lies to him. She's like, no. And, you know, he starts doing his like investigation or whatever. She sees a worker in the freezer and she's like, you know, walks over to it. She puts her head in the freezer and is like laying on this piece of meat, which I guess is making her feel better. And then the inspector like looks at her and is like, uh, excuse me, what are you doing with that meat? And she's like, dying. And then she's like, oh, uh, right. And like takes it and hands it to one of the workers is like chuck it uh and then he's like you're obviously sick you need to go home right now before i shut this restaurant down and piper's kind of like okay and like leaves and that's the end of the scene (laughs) yeah i mean this scene is really just developing piper not feeling good Mm -hmm. nothing just pushing the plot forward basically like her feeling sick and that's pretty much pretty much all i got from that so now we go back to the parking garage that billy was murdered in And we see CSI taking pictures of Billy's body. And Andy enters the scene and Fallon kind of approaches him. And she says that she came to meet him and found him dead there. And that it was definitely homicide. homicide. And she says it may have been random, but Andy doesn't buy it. And she's kind of like, yeah, me neither. And then she's like, well, maybe the creature, whatever it is, found out he had information on it and got to him before he could get to me. Kind of covering herself up. 
and then Andy's like, yeah, you know, he has been stalking it for two months. The killer may have known about it. And then she's like, well, the heart is still intact. And like, why is that? Andy's like, well, either he's not AB negative or it was trying to cover itself up from being found out. And then they both agree that they should go talk to Piper to see if he told, if Billy told her what he wanted to tell Agent Fallon so they could find out that information. And then the creature, or I mean, Agent Fallon is basically like saying how um, the killer, you know, since she didn't get to rip his heart out, probably isn't satisfied and is going to be looking for another kill tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they should still go on the stakeout. Yep. So I think it's really weird that Agent Fallon didn't act more upset over Billy's death, like considering they've been working together for a few months now. Like, I feel like she should have played the role better if she wanted to cover it up, but Andy didn't seem, like, didn't even notice, I guess. But I yeah. thought it was really weird. Like she I was thinking that, acted. too. Yeah. Like, you would think she'd be, I mean, someone that's been looking for this, someone that, you know, has been a part of it, I would probably be like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe it got to him, or at least pretend, you know, in that moment to get away with it. But obviously everyone in this show is stupid and can't pick up on, like, social cues. So she she had no reason to worry, you know, to even bother. All right. So now we get to the auction. The auctioneer is like going through the prices. He's not going very fast. He's not doing a good job, in my opinion. Um, but Prue and Claire are kind of standing there behind him on like opposite sides. There's different items selling. And that's when Phoebe walks in. She goes over to Prue and she's like telling her that she thinks she found Terry Lane. She's living in Oakland, which... I'm pretty sure Oakland is less than an hour from San Francisco. Like I'm 99% sure. So another unhinged thing about this storyline, like you kidnap this little girl and she's less than an hour from her home, <laughs> but whatever. Um, so as Phoebe's saying this bidding is starting to happen on the bracelet and Phoebe's like, they need to stop it because like having the bracelet is the only way that they can convince the mother that they know where the daughter is. So Prue uses her powers and is like blowing the uh, like, signs that they hold up to bid out of people's hands as they're trying to bid on the bracelet the bracelet doesn't sell and the auctioneer kind of moves on to the next thing they leave together phoebe takes the bracelet and proves like you better be right about this basically yeah so again more of them just pushing the plot forward and finding out about where terry is even though it is super weird that the mom couldn't have found her herself but okay yeah. Also, I don't I don't know that she really couldn't have just sold the bracelet because like if you found the daughter, like even later I guess I shouldn't say it until but like if you were you know what I like just yeah, show like, her you, the kid. Just show yeah, like I don't yeah. need a bracelet to know that my daughter is my daughter. Yeah, like as proof yeah. to be like, oh, we need to show her this bracelet. It might be the only way to prove to her. Or you could just show her her daughter. Like that might prove it to her too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Doesn't really make any sense here. I'm not even sure what, I don't know what even for like story yeah, sake, and the point of that like, was. I was just like, well, I was agreeing with you. And what's it called? Now Prue is over here. Like she's could expose herself. Like people could see her using her magic or something and that's way riskier than just (laughs) than just showing the mom her daughter like there was just no need for the bracelet and putting in all that effort 
And the way it was so obvious that people were throwing their signs up and they were flying out of their hands and the auctioneers just kind of like, oh, I guess nobody wants it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is just not, this was not they planned They really well want us to suspend our disbelief in this episode. Like, we're I know. Just, like, <laughs> we just have to, like, think of it the way they do, I guess. I, I don't understand it. A lot of camp here, you know? Exactly. <laughs> So now back at the manor, the doorbell rings and Piper comes downstairs to answer it. And she looks, you know, much better. And then and she opens the door and it's Andy there and he's there to check on her. And she's like, oh, I feel great. And there's no bandage and no scratch on her arm. And he asks her where the bandage went and how her wound healed, healed so quick. And she kind of turns to him and is just like, oh and then turns into a wendigo and attacks him and kills him and then she wakes up for real and that was actually just a dream and then she wakes up on the couch and she's still all sweaty and gross and sick and then she checks her bandage and that's when the doorbell rings again and she's like who is it and it's andy and she's like no go away because she just had a dream that andy came to see her and she killed him and she's like, well, you can't come in. I feel like I have the flu. And he's like, it's okay. I had a flu shot. Which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which doesn't really prevent the flu from, but you know, whatever. And then he's like, I've got to talk to you. It's about Billy. He's been killed. And then that's when Piper's like, what? And opens the door. And she's like, I don't understand how this happened. It's not at night. And then Agent Fallon walks up and looks at Piper and is like, whoa, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm not feeling well. And Andy says they'll just come back later, you know. And Fallon's like, well, wait, like, let's ask a couple questions. And then asks if she knew what Billy came to tell her. And then Piper says just that the creature is called a Wendigo and it attacks during the full moon. And he also said that it looks like a normal person during the day. And then she asks if he knew who it was. And Piper's like, I don't think so. And then the agent asks about her arm, and she's like, you're the only one to survive one of these attacks. Hope you didn't get infected by it. And she leaves. The most, like, suspicious thing ever. Like, she was, yeah. like, looking Piper right in the eyes and was like, hope you didn't get infected by it. Like, and nobody questions like, it. Like, was she but... trying to fuck Piper also? Because, like, I was, that eye contact was a lot. I know. It was pretty intense for no reason and then she walks away and andy's like goes up to piper touches her face and then is like get some sleep and then she closes the door and he leaves and um she checks her bandage and lifts it up and sees that her arm is all hairy like a windigo's and then she starts breathing shaky and like gets really scared I thought it was really weird and uncomfortable the way Andy just, like, caressed her face. Yeah, no, if, like, one of you guys' but... like, love interests or exes or something touched my face like that, I'd be like... Oh. Like, like I'm just away. trying to picture, like... like, if Chris ever did something like that to me, I'd be like, Ugh. what the fuck is going on right now? The only person I could honestly imagine doing that was Cooper. Cooper, yeah. Cooper would. Like, we're definitely would. I like that you guys are just like naming like people you date or dated on this podcast. <laughs> just calling them the fuck out. I like disguise it. I'm like, you know, this guy I used to know. <laughs> and you're just like first, last name, address. 
<laughs> Social security number. Everything. <laughs> ah, just Chris, because he's the current. And then Cooper was, you know, whatever. It's just Coop. <laughs> Fucking Coop. Yeah, um, I hope you're a fan. I hope you listen to the pod. I know. He's like, he's like, that's me. <laughs> Well, yeah, so there, aside from, I guess, both Andy and Agent Fallon in this scene desperately wanted to fuck Piper. That was the vibe they were both giving off. Like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> and then I think Agent Fallon really was just kind of trying to figure out if Piper knew that it was her, too. Because mm-hmm. she was like, oh, did he say he knew who it was? And she was like, no. So, you know. Yeah. And then, like, clearly... Sense. I feel like Fallon just looks creepier and creepier with each scene. Like, I think that's how they're trying to... She's, like, like gotten progressively kind of... worse. Yeah. Like, at first she was able to act somewhat normal, and now she's just, like, full-on, like, won't even speak like a normal person. Yeah. I, she's like, I... I don't want anyone to get hurt. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you speaking like that? And then no and one's she... like, oh... She clearly knows that Piper is going to be infected by this and turn into a Wendigo. So, like, why would she just, like, make it so obvious, you know, if she's trying to hide? I don't know if she knows. Because, like, like she's saying, everyone else, she's killed them, right? No one else has survived. So I think she's, like, and she's sick, right? So she's not sure how it's going to affect Piper. So I think that's, like, where some of her curiosity is coming from, too, in this scene and some of her weird yeah. behavior. True. So Anything other else? than that, we obviously just see that Piper is turning into a Wendigo. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then we're at, like, this apartment building, and a doorbell rings. This woman opens it up, and it's Phoebe who's standing there. She asks the woman if she's Harriet Lane, and the woman's like, yeah, like, who the fuck are you? and she's like oh like i work at an auction house and then she's like just going off about random things for no reason and like (laughs) and then she's like oh by the way like do you know what this bracelet is and for some reason the woman's like i've never seen it like why did she say that i couldn't tell you and then she tries to close the door on phoebe and then phoebe like just intrudes into this woman's apartment and is like i know it belongs to your daughter like terry lane blah, blah blah or no she's like i know it belongs to your daughter what's her name and the woman's like, Terry Lane, do you know where she is? And Phoebe's kind of like, yeah, and just like nods her head. And like the woman like comes out into the hallway where we see Prue is there. And then it's like a super awkward reunion. A lot of face touching, a lot of like weird recognition going on. Like, I don't know, they they hug each other. And then like Prue and Phoebe are kind of like laying on each other, which, you know, is normal. Like I do that to you guys, but also yeah. I'm just like... Um, <laughs> that they're like, I guess that bracelet was worth more than I thought it was. Are you kidding? It's priceless. Thank God for my powers. It wasn't just your powers that did that, Peeps. Like, very, very over, over the, top. the top. Yeah. Like, high drama for no reason. Then Prue's phone starts ringing. It's Piper. She sounds really bad. They have to go see her. So, there's definitely a lot to... I don't even... I don't know where what to think about this. The whole storyline, like like we talked about in other episodes, how they have kind of like the sideline story plus the main story, and they kind of, you know, intertwine. But in this episode, they really don't have 
like anything to do with each other at all and there's not really a moral to it either yeah like usually when they're not connected there's some type of character growth going on but I feel like everything that's happening for Phoebe in this episode with her subplot is stuff we already know stuff we've already seen like we've seen her helping people we see that she cares about people we see that she's smart and interested in finding a job like we've seen all these things about her before so we've learned nothing new about Phoebe we have this subplot that doesn't really make much sense no and it's not even like Prue needs to learn that Phoebe has these traits because Prue already learned that like several episodes ago so it just feels like this pointless subplot that's filling up time yeah yeah that's I'm what sure I feel it like was it kind of just to like fill up time but again like I don't really see what the point was with the whole bracelet thing like she went and showed the mom okay first of all let me just first thing that doesn't make sense in this scene the mom seeing the bracelet and being like no I've never seen it before and pretending she didn't know like why would you like for like why 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 are you gonna say you don't know that like I'd be like yeah that's my like are you just trying to like block like, it I'd out be like, oh like where do you find it like that's my yeah. daughters you know what I mean I, I know think, like uh, she didn't even no. bother to try and then she tries to kick Phoebe out this girl who obviously like found this bracelet and might know where her daughter is instead of being like do you know where she is like where did you find that like all this inf- like give me all the information you know she tries to like shut Phoebe out I don't know if she's like given up hope but obviously you haven't even tried because Phoebe was able to find her pretty easily yeah, and like then I'm pretty sure it's been a day and a half yeah literally and then, and then what phoebe's like like she waits until phoebe's like like you know what's your daughter's name i know you recognize this and she, then she's like have you seen her like that was like really weird long amount of time to wait and then once she agree like agrees yeah. and says yeah that's my daughter that's when phoebe like turns and is like yes bring out the daughter as opposed and like like needed the bracelet as some reference as if the daughter wasn't right around the corner that was also super pointless to me Another and thing like that confuses me in shows is like when kids get kidnapped when they're older because like it makes sense if they were like you know a baby a toddler but like if someone kidnaps you when you were five you would remember your mom like wouldn't you just tell people like someone took me from my mom yeah because like you go to school and stuff it's not like you're with like the kidnapper all the time you know what I mean yeah, but also, like, if it was the dad who kidnapped her, so the dad could have easily been like, oh, yeah, your mom wants nothing to do with you now. Right. You know? But then why would she have reacted so, like, happy to see her mom, like, so emotional about because it? Because Phoebe could have gone to them and been like, hey, here's the truth. But also, the girl didn't look like she was, like, 18 and on her own or anything. Like, No, she's, she's clearly 15. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Because so it's happened in 1989. Living- she has to be living with the dad still. So if the dad kidnapped the daughter, why would he let, like, I don't know. I just. That's what I, I was thinking. Like, bitches very, just take her to the mom. Where did she just yeah. come from? Like, was she in a foster home or was she still with her father? And like, I'm sorry, but is it that hard to find out where the father is? Like, yeah, there's just so much about and this. Like, that he was an hour away. Up. It's not like he left the country. Yeah. Who did who did Phoebe even call to find out that she lived in Oakland? Apparently, wait, know. no, because didn't she call like the PI's old firm and that's how she found it all out? And it's like, but if they all knew, why didn't one of them go get her after this guy died? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, or tell the mother. That little girl. 
Like, like I literally. Feel like the mom gave up so quick. Like, she had to have given up, like, after, like, a week. She's like, oh, <laughs> she died. Guess my daughter should be forgotten. Yeah, like, <laughs> RIP to her, too. Like. It's too late for her, too. This guy did everything he could. Like, what the fuck? It didn't make any sense at all. So, I don't know. I don't I don't know why they put a lot in this sh- episode that just didn't add up or really make sense. Still, generally, yeah. it's a really good episode. I do like the Wendigo episode, but, you know, also, it's just, like, there's just yeah, a lot in it that I'm, like... Though, like- yeah. I don't even know. And then and then it just ends. Like Yeah, that we'll never We never hear about Terry Lane. Yeah, like it's over now. And the episode still got so much left, you know? Like <laughs> It's just so confusing. So now we are at the park where Fallon and Andy are walking together onto a bridge. They're doing their stakeout and She's pretty much just, they're just kind of talking. She says she hopes Piper's okay. And then they kind of point out where the attacks took place and decide to get a closer look. This whole time, or they turn their phones off to avoid scaring it away if it rings. And this whole time, she's kind of like weirdly flirting with him and talking in that weird voice that she has been this whole time. And then she was like, I was engaged once. He was my world my whole world or like something like that and like like just super weird and then basically saying that he bailed on her just like left one day and that she you know fell into this horrible place but she did what she had to do so that no one could ever hurt her like that again and then Andy's like well I wish you could tell me your secret and she's like well maybe I'll show you now my life's a lot less complicated all I'm interested in is sex and he's like makes like a whoa kind of face and she's like does that shock you like (laughs) just like that (laughs) and then he's like no just wondering where you were when I was in college that's all and then they smile at each other and he turns away and starts walking away and then she just like instantly goes to this like horribly angry face yeah and that's the end of that I hate like little jokes like that like I I hate when like shows and like people just imply like men are just like especially young men they're like yeah back then all I wanted to do was fuck and it's like yeah. come on come on this is this is stupid lie it's like, so seriously. stupid this whole part again so cheesy like, but now I want love because I'm 28 and I know it's like in college I would have been down like yeah <laughs> relax Andy basically just the fact that Fallon is so creepy and weird like and like Andy's just like not seeing it like i don't understand like, oh like this is awkward but like he doesn't actually like yeah comment on it really yeah no like, yeah okay <laughs> right just like, like he kind of goes about it so uh after that we're at the manor and piper's sitting on a chair and prue and phoebe enter and they're like really worried about her phoebe goes up to her and like piper shows her her arm and like you know, as they're talking, Piper's being, like, kind of bitchy and angry, and she's kind of lashing out at both of them about different things, and then after she does it, she's like, I'm so sorry, like, what's happening to me? And Prue's like, we'll take care of you, and Phoebe kind of notices Agent Fallon's card sitting on, like, the table, and so she picks it up, and when she does, of course, she has a premonition of Agent Fallon turning into the Wendigo and standing behind Andy, so she tells them what she saw and proves like, oh my God, we need to call Andy and warn him. So she decides to do that. 
So then we go up to the attic where Phoebe and Piper are looking at the Book of Shadows. And, you know, Piper, again, she's still having like this attitude. She's like, this is the same crap I've already seen. Uh, That's when Prue enters and she tells them that she couldn't get in touch with Andy. And they're saying that they can't find anything to reverse her turning into the Wendigo. That's when Prue asks if they checked like the little writing at the bottom, which says CF Desderada. It says it's Latin for look up things that are yearned for. And Piper's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so very smart. And I was like, (laughs) hilarious. Um, And then Prue tells Piper that she needs to fight the blood of the Wendigo and that she's stronger than it is. And it's just like, okay, Prue, you just don't like that Piper's like calling you out. Yeah, (laughs) Dude, when she... When Prue first was like, no, you are going to listen to me. I was like, okay, Prue, like, like you don't always it. have to be, like, yeah. Like, Piper can't control it. I know it's pissing you off that you're not hotshot big sister right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, Prue goes back, and she's looking in the book, and she keeps looking, and then she finds, like, a part about unbecoming a Wendigo, and it says you have to kill the Wendigo that slashed her by melting its heart of ice. And then Piper's like, well, if you can't kill Fallon, you'll have to kill me. And they're like, no, we would never do that. Um, And then Prue's like, but we do need to tie her down until we get back. So Phoebe's like, oh, I have something. And she like goes downstairs and she comes back with handcuffs, you know, a sex joke with Phoebe. What a shocker. Um, And then Prue's like, where did you get those? Oh, never mind. And then they like handcuff her to a pipe and they're like, okay, well, now we need to go to the store and get a flare gun and they leave. Yeah. I just think it, I, oh, I thought it was funny the way, like, Piper just kept out of nowhere bursting out with these events. Like, that was so unnecessary. Yeah, I think the comedic timing in that scene was pretty good. I think, like, I think the banter was really good um, in this entire section. And it's been throughout the episode pretty good. Um, I think a lot of the dynamics between characters have really been established at this point. So they're able to play with that dialogue in a really interesting way um, that we see happening more and more frequently. For the most part, I think like Mia was saying before, we learn, you know, that for sure now the sisters know that Agent Fallon is the Wendigo. They know how to stop her and they know that they need to keep Piper away, basically, so that they can go do this. And that she's attacking Andy. Yes, and that Andy's going to get attacked. Mm -hmm. So now we go back to the park and Andy and Fallon are still walking around and Andy's kind of just like a little on edge and Fallon's like what's the matter and he's like well just thinking about how I'm probably not the best cop to be on the stakeout with seeing how I'm AB negative and then she kind of is like don't worry I'll protect you and then starts like touching him in his face and he's like kind of into it and it's like it's just like a really uncomfortable scene to watch also, so this is what I was saying with the whole AB negative thing, how they mentioned in the beginning, like Andy being AB negative, also just like Piper. So Agent Fallon is able to kill him. And I wonder if maybe that's why she took so hard, so long and never killed Billy because, or I guess he wasn't, he was also not in love, but I was thinking like, maybe it's because he's not AB negative either. And she didn't kill I him that whole time. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah, that is. I think it's that like she's been going after people who are AB negative. I guess it's like, cause like it seems like she already knew Andy was before he said anything, right? So I think it's just yeah. like that she that's what they're like in this attracted to, attracted to or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean maybe like her ex whose heart she ate was AB negative, and like from then on it just oh yeah maybe. created that maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the way she like like grabbed him and pulled him forward and was like, "Don't worry, I'll protect you." Like it was so weird. Like <laughs> and Andy was just there like he was kind of into it. Like you could see it and then was like, "Nah, nah." Yeah. Yeah. It was super weird. And then we go to the attic back at the manor and Piper's there by herself and she's still handcuffed but she's shaking and like freaking out and then she starts screaming and then we see her eyes turn yellow and the rest of her kind of transforms into the Wendigo and she like yells and breaks the pipe off and breaks free from the handcuffs. Then after that we go back to the park now we see the full moon is out Fallon again is asking Andy if he's okay. You know, he's he's like, I'm a little on edge. And we see like a flash to her hands, which is starting to turn into a talon. And then she starts saying all this weird shit. She's like, instinct of the hunt. That's why you're here. That's why you're a cop. And then he's like, does this turn you on or something, Agent Fallon? And she's like, or something. And she gets like really close to him. And he's like, they, we need to keep this professional and he starts to like walk away from her and that's when she like shifts fully and this is like what we saw in Phoebe's premonition earlier she like growls and that's when he turns around and like shoots at her but then gets knocked over then we see Prue's car pull up and Prue and Phoebe get out and they start looking around then we see that the Wendigo is on Andy rips his shirt open starts like cutting his chest again the blood effect is not very good Prue yells his name and then the Wendigo runs towards them because of the voice. Prue and Phoebe see her and Prue shoots the flare gun at a tree nearby and that's when the Wendigo goes and hides behind some bushes. Prue is reloading the gun. Phoebe's like if that didn't get Andy to come out like he's dead already and Prue's like no he's dead when we find a body not before. So the Wendigo comes back out. Prue shoots at a tree again. They, they're talking about how they have two flares left. That's when they see Andy on the ground. They go over. They're, like, touching his neck and stuff. They see that he's alive, but that he's been cut. The Wendigo approaches, and Prue, again, shoots a tree. Phoebe takes the gun and is like, I'll get it this time. And then they are kind of looking back and forth. They're like, the Wendigo's there. No, it's there. No, it's there. And then they realize there are two of them, so one of them is Piper. Prue is like, just shoot and pray you hit the right one, which, like, unhinged. Yeah. (laughs) Insane. But so Phoebe shoots and she shot the wrong one uh, because Piper as the Wendigo freezes it. And that's when Prue uses her power to move the flare to Fallon's chest that melts her ice heart and also her whole body. And she kind of like fades into the ground. Piper like looks at the two of them as the Wendigo and then starts shifting back to normal. Then she's naked and she runs to hide behind a tree. Andy's chest like magically heals And then Prue goes over and asks if he's okay. And he's like, where's the Wendigo? And Prue's like, she's gone. I'll explain everything later. And they're all like kind of getting ready to leave. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah. I like the way they did this. I mean, the way that Prue was like, just shoot. And Phoebe was like, okay. Like, that's definitely not how that actually would have gone down. Like, in I feel like most of the time they're more careful and kind of won't go for something like, at the risk of their sister unless they have to you know yeah but I guess they were kind of stuck in that moment but as opposed to them just getting lucky and shooting the right one I like that they had it go to Piper and like have her freeze it and then realize and move it over to the other one like I felt like that was pretty smart like yeah I was honestly 
I was shocked by that because I, I figured if she turned into a Wendigo, like her powers weren't really there anymore, you know, like for that time being. So like I, you're not a I, witch anymore. Yeah. So I was just surprised and I thought that was clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they Agreed. got really lucky that she still had her powers because like in most shows and movies, like when someone turns into something else, then they're like completely different. You know, they don't have that power anymore until they turn back to who they were really were so yeah yeah imagine right there they just killed off piper yeah right (laughs) um that's something actually i want us to keep an eye on as we keep watching like you know this i mean not to spoil anything this isn't going to be the last time a sister turns into another creature so i want us to keep an eye on whether they keep their powers or don't keep their powers when that happens in future episodes yeah Okay, so then we are, it's the next day, and the girls are at Quake, and Prue and Phoebe are sitting at a table together, and Piper brings over drinks to them, and she's like, it's on the house, you know, I owe my life to you guys, basically, and then she's basically saying how she's fine, and it's like nothing ever happened except for Billy, um, and she says she's not used to losing an innocent that we're, that they're supposed to protect. Phoebe says that, you know, his goal was to stop him from hurting anybody else or stop her from hurting anybody else which he did and then they asked Prue what she told Andy about what happened and she's like I told him the truth that what he saw happen was true and that Agent Fallon really was the Wendigo and had we not vanquished her both he and Piper would have been killed she was like I couldn't think of anything else to say and then she was like well he didn't really say much it was the closest we've ever had to having an we've ever come to having an honest conversation and then Phoebe's like, oh, so maybe Andy's more open to you or being a witch than you think. And then Prue's like, well, maybe. And then she's like, well, let's get back to work. And Phoebe's like, oh, actually, like, please don't be mad, but I'm, I quit. And she explains that she risks having a premonition, uh, you know, with everything she touches at Buckland's and, be, and it's too emotional for her. And besides, like, it's just that's your world. I need to find one of my own. And, you know, Prue's obviously not offended about this. And then Piper stands up and she's like, well, just stay out of my world or I'll kill you. And then like (laughs) the girls look at her and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, thinking that the Wendigo came back. And then she gets up to walk away and she's like, I'm just kidding, guys. It was a joke. (laughs) And she leaves and Prue and Phoebe are like, oh, like, you know, annoyed. Um, And that's how that Piper, that Piper. (laughs) And then that's how the scene ends. Yeah, so I think that was a really cute little ending scene. I like this idea that, you know, Andy's finding out more. Prue and him finally are having more honest conversations about what's going on. I'm curious to see what that'll lead to in upcoming episodes. I like the little sisterly vibes we're getting here. And I like the idea that's introduced about Phoebe really starting to find herself and figure out what she's going to do. You know, in the last episode, we saw that she's decided that San Francisco's her permanent home. And now it looks like she's trying to figure out exactly what that means for her going forward in her future. Right. Yeah, I agree. Me too. <laughs> I don't really know. I feel like you kind of just said it all, you know, I know. <laughs> but I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing all I mean, of hopefully that. from now we get to see Phoebe really becoming her own person and figuring out what she likes, what she wants to do. Like, because she can't just, she doesn't want to just hop onto like, her sister you know and just do the same thing she's doing it's she wants to be able to do her own thing yeah hopefully this kind of pushed her into taking initiative into starting her own life and finding her own career and her own interests 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts before we wrap things up? I think I'm all right with that right now. Yeah, I think we've we've uh, hated on this episode a good amount. <laughs> yeah, we kind of did shit on this episode a lot. I'm sorry, I'm not a hater of this yeah. episode. I actually like I this actually episode. like this episode. Um, yeah, it's one of those episodes. I feel like it's kind of like uh, it kind of takes me back to like the wedding from hell episode, where like it's very entertaining to watch. There's just so many like plot holes that I just yeah inconsistencies. Really, like, yeah, yeah. But no, it's an enjoyable episode. Like a lot of things happen. It's just not a lot of them are pushing forward season long arcs um yeah we get some little things towards the end but for the most part it's just a lot of randomness yeah. kind of coming yeah. together yeah agreed agreed like it's a cute monster of the week episode i don't hate this episode at all I yeah make that clear <laughs> me too yeah we're, we're it's only a great shooting episode. on it because i mean analyzing it it's very different than just watching it like watching it it's enjoyable but when you analyze it you do notice all of those things yeah yeah thanks for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media we're on instagram and tiktok at rewitched underscore pod you can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com and join us back next time for season one episode 13 from fear to eternity